Blog Talk Radio.
welcome and thank you for tuning in to Energy Awareness Radio. This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a Reiki master and certified sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion that's already happening online. We do keep an eye on the chat room, so if you have a question, go ahead and post it, and we'll do our best to get you on air. As an alternative, for those of you who are on the go and cannot continue to listen online, you may call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227 and listen via your phone, but please, when you do, be sure to use your Bluetooth if you are driving about. Have you ever heard the term jollytologist? Tonight, we're going to be speaking with a man who is indeed a bona fide jollytologist. My guest is Alan Klein, and he is known worldwide as Mr. Jollytologist. Alan has written multiple books, and we're going to be speaking with him about his most recent, The Art of Living Joyously, How to Be Happier Every Day of the Year, which was published on October 5, 2012, and that just happens to be World Smile Day. Alan Klein has a master's degree in humor from St. Mary's College in Minnesota. No joke, he truly does have a master's degree in humor. I have never heard of such a thing. How cool is that? I just couldn't believe it when I saw that. It's very, very interesting to me. There is a science behind it. He is an award-winning professional keynote speaker and best-selling author who shows audiences worldwide how humor can help them deal with everyday trials and tribulations as well as triumphing over tragedy. He's referred to by Jerry Lewis as a noble and vital force watching over the human condition. Now, prior to becoming a jollytologist, he was nicknamed the King of Whimsy because he designed all the children's shows at CBS Television in New York City, among which was the Captain Kangaroo Show. He is the 2009 recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, and his books have been published in eight different languages with over 500,000 in print. And we here at Energy and Awareness Radio are so very fortunate to have him here on the show. Good evening, Alan. Thank you so much. I am just delighted that you're able to join us tonight. How are you being this evening? I am being great. I just got back from walking my dog, so that's always... Uh... A wonderful time in the day. She loves it. I get a little fresh air and exercise. And That's so right. it's a win-win for both of us. That's right. Is she a jollytologist too? <laughs> She's a dogologist. She's a dogologist. There you go. You know, it was funny because when they first asked me if I wanted to have a jollytologist on the show, I thought surely they meant Santa. I didn't know there was another one. <laughs> I was like, maybe he's Santa in disguise and he's just not telling anyone. So this is very cool. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Bill Cosby, who used to advertise for Jello products, called him a calls himself a jellotologist. <laughs> ah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we can name ourselves whatever we want, I guess. But actually, well, that's what I did. there is actually, actually there is some background to that. Um, yeah. There's a Greek word meaning uh, called jellos, G-E-L-O-S. So for a while, I called myself a jellostologist, but nobody knew what that was, so I changed it to jollytologist. I think it's great. It really speaks to what it is that you do. Exactly. You know and. It, and now you worked for the Captain Kangaroo Show, so I'm presuming that you've been a jollytologist for a very long time, having done that job. What would you tell us, you know, how you came about to be a jollytologist? Well, it's it's um, started um, over 30 years ago. My wife was ill and went to the doctor, and 
he said we need to put some uh, put you in the hospital and do some tests. And the test came back and revealed that she had a terminal liver disease. And there was no um, liver transplants at the time. There was no hospice at the time. And indeed, she did pass away three years later, uh, leaving me with a 10-year-old daughter. And it was not, needless to say, it was a very, very difficult time. But Ellen had a great sense of humor and continued to use it even during that difficult time. Give you one example, um, T. She was in the hospital with a copy of Play Girl magazine with the male nude pentacle. <laughs> and she said, Alan, I, I really like this uh, nude man this month. Can you put on picture on the wall by the bed over here? And I said, Ellen, this is a hospital. <laughs> it's a little risque for that. And she said, well, maybe you're right. She said, why don't you get a leaf from the plant on the counter over there and cover up that part? <laughs> and I did that, and it was fine for the first day, fine for the second day. But by the third day, the leaf starts shriveling up. <laughs> you get the picture. <laughs> I and do. It's funny. <laughs> it is funny. And, and and the the point is that we came home from the hospital, and we would remember that little scene, and we would both start to laugh. And and looking back, I realized it wasn't a lot of laughter. It was five or ten seconds. But it helped revive us, help us get through the situation, and gave us a perspective on the situation that humor always gives people when you can find some laughter or humor in any situation. So when I saw how powerful that was, I went back to school, gave up the business I had, went back to school, studied humor, got a master's degree, as you mentioned. It was actually a master's of human, H-U-M-A-N, development. And my thesis was The Healing Power of Humor, which turned into my uh, first book. So that's, you know, I never expected to be in this field. Um, I don't know why my wife died. You know, it's people like, you know, you ask, why me? And yet it mm -hmm. turned into a major uh, force in the world that um, has helped people all over the world lighten up. That's great. It's great that, you know, so many times there's uh, something good that comes out of something. Well, every time there's something good that comes out of something horrific. And, you know, it, you just took it really globally and made it something really worthwhile. I'm sure your wife smiles down upon you every day. Oh, I'm sure. She's, I feel she's in my workshops every time I give a, a speech or a I workshop. I bet she is. Sure. I wouldn't doubt it. I bet she's there. And, I bet she's helping you. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and you know, what would I be doing if, if that didn't happen? I don't know. And certainly I didn't want her to die. But right. out of it came, you know, something greater. And I think when things happen to us, we don't realize that sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes there is a purpose bigger than, than we are that we can't see at the moment because we're so locked up in that little moment in history. But down the road, looking back, I bet you a lot of your listeners go, yeah, you know, that wasn't so terrible, or I learned something out of that, or something good happened from that experience, which at the time was probably not a happy moment. Right. Oh, and I agree 100% because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we don't see things when we're in the midst of them because we're just so grief-stricken or whatever it is that we're dealing with we're so challenged by. And, yes, you can absolutely look back and see, oh, there was a reason for that. There was a turning point, you know, and, right. and it usually right. is for the better. Yeah. You know, you've written so many best-selling inspirational, motivational quotation books, 
why why quotation books? How did well, that you come know, about? Uh, it, it's, I'm glad you said that because it was a it was kind of a journey. I mean, I wrote the first book, The Healing Power of Humor, and then I had tons of quotations left over that I had included in, in the book, but I had lots left over that I did not use about joy, happiness, play, cheerfulness. And I thought, I wonder if that would make a good book. So I put together a proposal, and I was at a meeting where Og Mandino was speaking, and um, I think he wrote The Greatest Salesman in the World, sold millions of copies. And he said, Uh if you have an idea for a book, and I have labels here from my publisher, they're guaranteed to look at your idea within two weeks and get back to you, which in the publishing industry is pretty phenomenal because yeah. it usually takes a long time to, to get back to you. And so I showed it to them, and they bought the book. It was quotations to cheer you up when the world was getting you down. And then mm-hmm. they didn't sell as many copies as they thought. I think they sold 5,000 in a year, so they stopped printing it. And I tried to get the rights back, and, and they said, no, we can't give it to you. But then I got a letter, it was pre email time, I got a letter saying, congratulations, we show, we sold your book to Random House. And Random cool. House took the book, made it a beautiful hard-covered gift book, so it was in a lot of gift stores, and it did so well, they asked me to write another and another and another, and uh, it was a total of seven books that I did for Random House. And then Random House closed their doors, even though they had sold 400,000 copies of the quotation books, closed their doors, and um, this time I did get the rights back. I tried to sell the rights to other publishers for a year and a half, got no response, nobody wanted to reprint them. And then this is an amazing, amazing story. It's like a miracle. I went to a meeting... I sat down on the aisle seat. A man next to me was turned around talking to two women. And I heard them talking, and they're saying they have a publishing company, and they're looking for inspirational, uplifting, motivational books. And I turned around, and I had seven of them. Now, what I forgot (laughs) to tell you was that um, when I gave up looking for a publisher – I put a sign above my desk that said, the perfect publisher will find me. Rather than oh, me, yeah. Rather than me going out and struggling looking for a publisher, I just said, the perfect publisher will find me. And I turned around to these women, said I had seven books, and they said, um, send us them. And they gave me their card, and I looked in their card, and they were five blocks from where I lived. <laughs> so I brought, I brought the books over, I and mean, this this story is amazing. I brought the books over, and they this year there will be the fifth book that they've published, and the Art of Living Joyfully is is one of them. And um, then they got too um, big for their small office, so they moved across the bridge, and invited me to their opening celebration of their new offices. And this woman come up comes up to me at the party and says. You don't know me, but I know you. She said, I'm not in in the States anymore. I now live in London, and I own this company, and I know you. And I'm looking at her and looking, and I I don't know who it is. And she says, you don't know me, but for 16 years, I lived across the street from you, and I'd watch you walk your dog every single day. 
Oh, my goodness. The perfect publisher found me. That's right. So I totally believe in affirmations, in quotations, and I can tell you some stories of how the quotes in some of these books have absolutely not only changed people's lives, but saved a teenager's life. You know, and and I I think that that is very true. And yes, would love to hear your stories. When I was um, in the fourth grade, my teacher, Mrs. Boyle, used to every morning read a quotation from this really thick, big book she had called Something Quotations. I don't even know what it was. She had this really big, old-looking book, and every morning would be read a different quote. And I loved them. And from the time I was nine years old, I thought, this is really cool. These people write in a way that it's so quick, but you get it. And I got it. So these types of books like yours, I think, are very inspirational for people. But, yes, why don't you tell us about the young person who, whose life was saved? Right. Well, I got a letter one day and uh, from a teenager, and the, the funny thing is she said, Mr. Klein, I'm writing you, and this is not a high school project. <laughs> I'm okay. writing you on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And she said her father passed away recently. She was very depressed. And before he passed away, he gave her one of the quote books for her birthday. And, you know, she, being a teenager, she went, you know, this is kind of a stupid book. And she put it uh, down, and she never looked at it. And then he died, and one day she picked up um, one of the uh, the book and opened the page to one of the quotes, and she said it was as if, Um, my father was directing me to this quote and it was speaking exactly to me and she said I put his picture in that page that section and every day I open the book and I read that quote and she said it helped me with depression she said you saved my life and the amazing thing to me T is that I said that Ogmandino kind of got me started on quote books Mm-hmm. Well, the the quote that she said helped her was by Ogmandino. No way. And, and <laughs> seriously, the, that's too I'm, funny. Seriously, I have the letter right here. I mean, it just blew me away. <laughs> and the quote um, is, I will love the light for it shows me the way, yet I will endure the darkness for it shows me the stars. Wow, that's beautiful. So beautiful, yeah. and and that whole full circle of Ogmandino kind of inspiring me to get the first quote book published, and then somebody writing to say that quote, his quote, saved their life, and they found it in, in that quote book. And I love that she did that. Here she is, a teenager, taking it upon herself and letting you know it's not a school project. She's She's doing what... Everyone should do. Give the accolades where they need to be given instead of just telling people when they do wrong. So she was practicing positivity, and she picked it up through your book. And it was her father who guided her to read that. There's no doubt in my mind. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, you know, for a while, you know, I wrote The Healing Power of Humor, which is a regular book. And my next book was The Courage to Laugh about humor, hope, and healing in the face of death and dying, that there is even humor there. And... Then I got this contract for Random House to write all these quote books. And one day I'm sitting at my desk and I'm going, Alan, why are you doing this? Why don't you write a real book? (laughs) Because I was considering them like, you know, my little monkey mind was saying they're not real books. And then 
out of the blue comes a letter like that, and I'm going, these are real books. They're helping people. They're yeah. changing people's lives. And, in fact, they might not even want to sit down and read a whole book. This teenager, you know, just the perfect thing came to her. Well, that's what's great about books like this. You can leave them on your desk and open it up every day, and ironically, you get what you need because it just opens to the exact thing that you need to read in the moment, and you get it, that. and it helps you. It really, you know, it. it does. I mean, yeah. Do you have I think the book? That, um, in, yeah. Yes, I do. Yep. Why don't you just open it do. to a, a page and read a quote and see if that's for you today? Oh, I gosh, I should that. do that. <laughs> I'm going to do see, it also okay, with it you. I'm on page 84, and the one that struck me, or the one that I first looked at, was um, by Peter McWilliams and John Roger. I believe humans were born to have joy and to have it more abundantly, that the birthright of everyone is loving, caring, sharing, and abundance. Boy, that really does uh, resonate with me there a lot. There you go. Because you I, see? Yeah, yeah, I constantly tell people, you're here for joy. you got to find joy and give joy. That's your job. That's all you have to do. <laughs> right, right. My, I had a great cousin and aunt, and, and they were very poor, and my, it was during wartime, and my aunt worked for the Navy Yard, and then later they were on welfare. And one of the things she taught her daughter, my cousin, was to to do something good for someone every single day. Even though yeah. they didn't have much money and was so poor, you know, they would bake some cookies or knit a sweater or, you know. And it brings, if if you and they're finding this people that volunteer are happier and are healthier. Yeah. Because we don't focus on our, our own um you know problems and and giving to others lifts us up and helps other people. Sure, and when you focus on the greater good instead of just yourself, you're included in the greater good and it's going to come back to you and everybody's happy. But exactly. usually, you know, there's a lot of okay. people that are just, you know, focus on themselves and that's too bad. What did you open up to today? I'm glad you asked because I'm just looking at it. It's by <laughs> Kenny Ausubel. I don't know who that is, but I thank that person for writing this great quote. It's each of us has a spark of life inside us, and our highest endeavor ought to be to set off that spark in one another. Oh, and isn't true. that what you and I are both doing right now, hopefully? Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yes. Hopefully setting off a spark in, in one of your listeners. Yes, and and in each other as well. You know, the you have such a range of authors and poets, and it's amazing. You know, it's a great it's great to be able to look at them and see who you know Ralph Waldo Emerson, you know Goethe, uh, Nietzsche. There's so many people in this book that have said things that sometimes you don't know. You don't you can't know everything that they've written, all the quotes that they've had. But it's interesting to go through it and see them and realize, oh, they're the one that said that. I did not know that. Oh, you know? great! Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, and someone else said they, their daughter was in prison and she was actually pregnant. And they used the book. They sent her a quote every other day. And it just wow. lifts, it lifts both of them up. Well, it's very positive, you know. Yeah. And so it's people a great use way. it in different ways. They put it on their web. You know, they put it in emails. Um, but, you know, these I love, I love quotes because they, they're like little teeny reminders. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, of of things in the world that maybe we haven't thought about or can lift us up or encouragement or uh, motivate us to do something without a huge big lecture or, or reading a whole book. 
um, just right. one little thing to help us get through our day. Sure, and if there's one that strikes you, you can, you know, type it up and put it somewhere where you see it every day or open the book and see what you get for the day. You should make right. it into cards. Then you can uh, shuffle them. And, <laughs> should you tell know? my publisher. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, they might. I don't, I don't know. Some, you know, as writers, sometimes a lot of that's out of my hand. <laughs> right, right. Um, One of my um, my favorite ones in your book is uh, Stephen Levine. He wrote A Year to Live, and and which was a great book. Um, but his quote was, "Love is not what we become, but who we already are." I think so many people forget that. Right. It's so and interesting it's that you bring up, and I think it's pronounced Levine, at least the okay. way that I pronounce it. For about eight ten years, I would. Um, produce his uh, workshops in and around the San Francisco Bay Area. Ah, so, okay. So I know him very well and um, love his work. And actually, he taught me about humor in death and dying situations because he would be very, you know, we have two to three hundred people at his workshops, and he'd be very profound and people would be crying and talking about death and dying, you know, their son was killed or something like that. And then something funny would come up, and everybody would be hysterically laughing. <laughs> and it realized it showed me how close tears and laughter really are, and that we can even laugh in death and dying situations. And in fact, um, it could help us get through some of those situations. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I have some I have some wonderful memories of. I remember one one great lesson I learned from one of the retreats. It was a ten day retreat, and it was there were people there who had just lost a loved one. There was actually a couple people that was uh, brought in on stretchers because they were near the end of their life. And um, throughout the day, people would come up to me and complain that it was either too hot or too cold in the room. <laughs> and yeah. it was it was a country setting, right? the building we were in was right next to a stream and I'd go in and I'd open the window if it was too hot or that someone complained it was too cold I'd close the window and this went on like you know every day for three days and then one and I was starting to get upset you know because I, I, I you know I'm, I'm trying to run this workshop and um, people are complaining to me all the time and so one day I went to the window because someone said it's too hot. I went to open it and it fell into the stream. The whole window <laughs> oh <my laughs> just goodness. fell into the stream. And I said, you know, that's it. Uh, the window stays open <laughs> the whole time. And it showed me that I can let go of that. And so it was mm-hmm. a great lesson for me. And from then on, nobody complained that it was too hot or too cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, they couldn't do nothing you could do about it at that point. <laughs> right, exactly. So, but it was—I learned a lot that I could just let go of it. I could just not get into other people's space or you know other people's problems, and just let go of it. And it was such a great lesson. 
And that's huge because so many people can't let go of things. And I think that when you, everybody is so busy, that, you know, either running from pillar to post, they don't know what's going on, they don't take time for themselves. But a book like this, if you, if you catch yourself and you become aware of what's happening in the moment, you can just open to a page, read something, and it will, it inevitably will surely make you feel better because it, it kicks you off of what you're thinking about and puts you into a whole different perspective. Now you can right. look at things it, just by a couple of sentences or even a, a short phrase, it really works well that way. And I think a lot of people, you know, they're looking for something to help them do that because they can't find the humor or they can't find the positivity in certain situations and they don't know what to do. So something like this, especially written by someone who, you know, you know when you read the front and you're a jollytologist, it just makes you happy just to even start to open the book. It felt good right. to just open and, no, and what just, I, you know, as a jollytologist, what I consider myself is I just am a reminder to people that um, that nobody said that life is supposed to be serious and that we need to lighten up because the world has gotten pretty heavy. You know, you can't listen to the news without, um, you know, hearing about all the terrible things that happen. So I'm just a reminder to people to lighten up. Uh, the books that with the quotations are just reminders um, to people. The In my workshops, I give out red clown noses in a process. And, <laughs> you know, it's just a reminder when things aren't going well, put this on and look in the mirror, and you probably can't stay too serious <laughs> looking like that. No, um, I would think you couldn't. <laughs> And and the other thing is a reminder to people that they have a choice. I, I remember when I lived in New York City, I would walk my dog that I had at the time every single day, and I'd pass this woman who'd most of the time be outside her building, and she would tell me all about the murders, robberies, and rapes, <sighs> and fires, you know, within the in the neighborhood. And I was a little dense at the time, and it took me a while to realize I didn't have to pass that woman every day. I could go in the opposite direction. I had a choice. And so after a while, I walked the other way and, and didn't see her again. But it's so true in life. We always have a choice which road we're going to take, how we're going to view the day, how we're going to react. You know, it's not our boss that's making us angry, but it's how we react to the boss um, and not letting other people ruin our day. Mm-hmm. And reading things like this, it keeps you in line with that every day. And the more you do it, you build up momentum. And you realize if you go back and think about the quotes that you've read in your book, that it brings you back to where you're supposed to be. You're kind of centered and you can handle things a whole lot better. At least I think you can. Right, right. Well, there's one quote. Um, this woman um, wrote to me again a letter, you know, sit down and write, because she read a quote in the book she said that totally changed her life. Mm-hmm. And she's, and this is pretty powerful. She said when she was a teenager, she was uh, age 12, she said, actually, um, she was raped violently twice. And she said, for 55 years, I've never told anyone about it. 55 years she kept this to herself. And she said, then after reading one of the quotes in your book, which was about taking back your power, she said, I've taken back my power, and it has changed my life. Wow. And the quote, uh, it's a little long, it's a couple of sentences, by Dale Carnegie. 
is when we hate our enemies, we are giving them power over us. Power over our sleep, our appetites, our blood pressure, our health, and our happiness. Our enemies would dance with joy if only they knew how they were worrying us and getting even with us. Our hate is not hurting them at all, but our hate is turning our days and nights into a hellish turmoil. Wow. So that one quote, after 55 years of struggling with what happened to her, she finally was able to take back and, and get on with her life. That's incredible. That's really incredible. So wow. you can see why I write, <laughs> I'll put together quotation books. Oh, yes. I mean, because it is, it, it's a great, like you said, it's a great way for people who cannot, they don't um, have the time to read a full book. Right, right. You know, and, and they, they this cannot. This really speaks to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, wow, that's just great. That's that's really good. It's wonderful. Wow. You know, there have been a lot of studies on laughter, which you have been a part of. Isn't oh, that correct? Oh, definitely, yes. Okay. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those? Well, um, what what they found is every system in the body gets to work out when you're laughing. Um T, why don't you try this with me? Why don't we just laugh? Okay. <laughs> just laugh. <laughs> okay, just lose everybody. I don't know about you, but I have to take a big breath of fresh air in when I'm done, right? It does make you feel good. So, well, part of it's because you're getting fresh air in your lungs, so you're oxygenating the blood. So mm-hmm. that's physically good for you. Um, when you're laughing, um, supposedly there are some chemicals that are secreted that um, help with your immune system. Um, also, you know the expression, fall down laughter. You laugh so much, you relax, you fall mm-hmm. down, and you sometimes wet your pants <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because you relax so much. Your muscles relax. So. A lot of systems in the body are getting a workout when you're laughing. And there's more and more research coming out about that and how beneficial that is. And then there's a whole movement called the laughter yoga uh, movement. Oh, yeah, with, I've heard about that. Have you heard yeah. about that? Yes, people absolutely. Just, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. People just get together and laugh. You know, you don't need to tell a joke. You just laugh because it is physically good and you know, some I'm not I'm I'm a jollytologist and I don't tell jokes well. You need to really practice and have that kind of knack. But anybody can get together with other people and just laugh. And so um, there's all groups all over the country um, that do this on a on a regular basis, and there are certified laugh leaders, which I won. Um, that I've studied over a weekend how to do some of this training. Um, that just gather people together and we'll go to nursing homes and get residents to laugh and um, in businesses because it's healthier in businesses. You know, people, if the boss is laughing, they like the boss better. The people are more apt to do their work. Um, there's less sick time when people can find some humor and laugh. So there's all kind of benefits um, with that. And, and some of the things I just told you are like the physical, uh, physiological benefits of uh, laughter. Yeah, and and it does 
it makes you it, you can feel the stress just going away when you're laughing. Mm-hmm. You can just mm-hmm. feel yourself relax. The other night I was talking to a friend on the phone and it was absolutely stupid what she said to me. And I started laughing and I was laughing so hard I was actually crying and I I couldn't talk. I was trying to say something back to her that I thought was funny. And she's saying, "Okay, T, I'm not, I can't hear what you're saying." And I, I was just laughing too hard. I could not. I mean, that hasn't happened in years, but I, it was hysterical. And I said to her, "No, you have to do this." And then I couldn't spit out what I wanted to say. And she stuck on the line with me for a good 15 minutes saying, I don't understand what you're saying. I was laughing for a very long time, but it was it was great, you know. It really felt it feels good. It so I, good when that happens, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it's, it's a, you know, they say laughter is the best medicine, so, you know, yeah. we all need yeah. a little laughter in our lives, that's for right. sure, you know. You know, um, I was on a, a plane that um, – it was three hours late, and so people getting on were pretty grumpy, you know, faces down, looking down. And you know how they have the flight attendant standing at the door greeting you? And I I was on pretty early. I was one of the first people on. And I said, you know, here's if you, if you feel comfortable, because everyone's so grumpy, maybe you want to try putting on this clown nose when you're greeting people and see, <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> see what happened. And she was open to this because she was also stressed. She was waiting, you know, probably longer than the people there to take off. And she put it on, and I just stood next to her to see what was hap- what would happen. And a lot of people got on and looked at her, and suddenly they smiled, and you could see all that stress just you know, leave their face. And then some people got on, they saw her and immediately would turn away. And it was like they were saying, you know, I'm unhappy. We're three hours late and you can't make me smile. <laughs> and and it was so interesting to just observe people's reactions and how some people hold on to that anger, that upset. And, yeah. and even if something was humorous or, or lightly amusing, they don't let go of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really too bad because it just, you know, those are people that have, I think, a whole lot going on and they just can't find the humor in anything. Uh, and, and you're right when you say there is, you can find humor in everything. We had a hurricane here in October of this right. year, Hurricane Sandy, and it was awful. We, I didn't have electricity for two weeks. It was cold. There was no flushing toilets. I had to schlep water from the lake to flush the toilets with buckets of water. It was, mm. you know, it wasn't fun. And mm. you're in the house all day long, and you're cold. And I said this. I wrote an email to somebody. I went to a kiosk where they allowed you to, you know, use your um, your PC. And I went uh-huh. in and I set myself up and I wrote an email and I said, okay, a couple of things I learned. When you're really this cold and you cut yourself, you don't know it. You have to follow the blood and see where it is. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> and then I said, when you put contact lens in your eye, don't. Because you're cold, the contact is warm, you don't realize it. You stick it in your eye and you think, oh, my God, I'm never going to get this out. It's stuck to my eye. It's stuck to my eye. Now you're putting solution in your eye that's absolutely cold, and you're trying to get your contact lens out. So note to self, never put cold contacts in your eye. (laughs) I said, I have learned a lot. I really have. You You can do a stand-up comedy routine. About oh, just based on that, honest to goodness, you know, and the thing, when I went downstairs one day, I was very thirsty, and of course, you don't want to drink, because then you have to void, and you don't want to void, because you have to half undress, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh my God, it's freezing here, so I drank something, I, 
it was in the house. I'm cold. It's cold. I'm not realizing the temperature, how cold it is. I mix it up. It's a protein drink. I drink it back, and now for five minutes, i got to walk off this cold spot that's running down the front of my body, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I must be like the refrigerator. I'm making ice cubes in my body. <laughs> <laughs> but you had to laugh because if you yeah. didn't, you would have cried. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it just wasn't worth it. Yeah, in my workshops, I, I give examples of humor in, in tragic situations, and you certainly just gave us some. Um, but in the Midwest, the, the floods a couple of years ago, a restaurant put a sign on the window, Waitress Wanted Must Be Able to Swim Underwater. <laughs> <laughs> or That's the, good. The, a big um, earthquake a number of years ago um, in San Francisco, someone put a sign on their house, um, House for rent, some assembly required. <laughs> oh, my goodness, that's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's you know, people, people find humor in the not-so-great situations because it's an incredible coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And it helps them in any tragedy. There's always humor flies around because um, it helps us get through that. It, it's, And I think, you know, the, no animal... No other species can find something humorous and laugh about it except human beings. And I really think there's a higher power, whether it's God, I don't know what you believe in, God or whatever, has given mm-hmm. us the sense of humor to help us get through all those difficult times. That's true. I've never thought about it. But even hyenas are only laughing to make noise. They, they're not laughing at anything. Right. But they don't see. I, I, there is a distinction between humor and laughter. And for me, it's humor is finding something to laugh about. So the humor is like the incident. And then we see the the humor or the funny things in that and we start to laugh, which is the physical manifestation of finding something funny. But no other species can do that except uh, us. So it's a really incredible uh, tool, a powerful tool that we always can use. And you certainly give great examples in, in the hurricane examples. Yeah, I think almost in anything, I mean, if you don't, because all I keep thinking is, you know, I can either sit here and cry. Well, like you said, it's a choice. Or I can find something, and it just makes me feel better to find the humor in it. You know, you have to. You have to. Right. Although right. I remember the last day before when the heat came on, I was laying in bed and I thought, this is the day I'm going to lose it. I just know it. And three hours later, the heat came on. And I was like, thank uh, you, God. You know? Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I think God heard me. Uh-huh. <laughs> he responded yep. in well, kind, which was great, you know? Somebody mm-hmm. heard you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it was nowhere near as bad as the people who lived along the shore. Please don't get me wrong. But, right, you know, right. when you're in it and you don't know anything that's going on because you don't have any cable, you have no idea what's going on, you, you don't right. have a clue. You're right, you think your you're little... the only one, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, so yeah. it's, uh, and my husband would go to work, and then he'd come home. He'd be in the house for like 30 seconds to say, okay, it's too cold in here. We have to go out to dinner. And I'd be like, you just uh. got here. I've been here for like all day. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, you know, and, and I live in San Francisco, and the, you had some warning about the hurricane and bad weather coming, but here with earthquakes, okay. you never know. I mean, we could have an earthquake in two seconds from now. Um, no warning. It just happens. And yeah. I don't know which is better, to know something's coming like that <laughs> or to just be surprised. I, I haven't I figured know. that one out. I don't know, because we had an earthquake here last August, and I was sitting mm-hmm. in my office, and I thought, okay, something's going on, because I've never been in an earthquake. 
And I thought, this is really strange. I thought, this is an earthquake. And I went outside, and I really couldn't feel anything. But I came in the house, and my pictures are moving on the wall, and everything's getting askew. So I called my neighbor. And my neighbor said, yeah, T, that's right, we're having an earthquake. Sure, we're having an earthquake. And I thought, oh, you know, you have five kids. I'm thinking to myself, I hung up the phone, and you bet every one of those kids had an iPhone. They have those little magic phone things that they're doing. I don't have one of those. And they were probably on the Internet. And I turned on the TV, and sure enough, we had an earthquake. And I thought, oh, see, I'm not stupid. It was an earthquake. I didn't like it. It was very eerie. Mm -hmm. It's very Well, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, It's quick. Next time, if you have one, and and I hope you don't, but – if you have any kind of chandeliers or hanging light fixtures, that really gives you the clue because you could see them moving um, back and oh, forth. Oh, yeah. I did. I said because I yeah. looked up and I thought, okay, yeah. stand under that. Because <laughs> I live on a hill and sometimes this huge truck goes down the hill in the house. I have an old Victorian house and it shakes a little bit. But I know that's not an earthquake if the chandeliers don't move. Right. Right, and somebody said to me, are you sure it wasn't a truck that went by? And I said, no, this was no right. truck. There was eeriness yeah. about it. And even the next day, walking through the yard, I noticed there were like rocks that weren't there before. And I thought, well, this shifted a lot, so these rocks are now, why is this rock here? This I know my yard. I mowed one. I know my yard. I thought, no, I don't understand. This is very strange. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, um, it was interesting. It was very yeah. So one yeah. of the things this brings up is that um, things happen. You know, I won't say that four-letter word that begins with an S and ends with a T, but it happens, you know. And, um, you know, there are things we can't control and things happen. And we can control it with, we talked about our attitude, our thoughts, that we have a choice. And we can get the upper hand on it when you can't control anything. You get power over it by finding some humor in it because it's such a powerful tool to when there's nothing else we can do we can certainly laugh at it and that give us gives us some power yeah there's a there's a person in the chat room who's asking a question i'm going to ask a question i'm not sure i understand exactly what she means but she's asking do we worship the spirit of laughter or the spirit of tears i don't Hmm. think we should worship either i don't i don't think so either i don't think we should worship them but they are very closely connected in fact you know, sometimes things in the world I think is stranger than if we made them up. There are two Dr. Fry's in the world. One is Dr. F.R.Y., who was my mm-hmm. advisor on my thesis and is an expert on the physiological benefits of humor. The other Dr. Fry is F.R.E.Y., and he's an um, expert on tears. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> which I think is very strange, but also what's very, um, not so strange perhaps when you think about it, but when you cut an onion and your your eyes are tearing, basically there's no toxins in those those tears. If you laugh, like you said, you laughed till you were crying. Oh, yeah. There, there are toxins, similar toxins in those tears as tears from your emotional, when you're emotional and you start crying. So laughter and tears are very close. They're both um, bringing a cathartic and are bringing out the toxins in our body. It's a release. Sure, that makes sense because they're both emotion-based. Right, right. Laughter and tears. Right. She does ask, do we put trust in the feelings of sadness or do we place faith in the feelings of happiness? I would say you don't trust the feelings of sadness, but you actually do put faith in the feelings of happiness. Keep your faith in the positive side. 
Well, I, that's what I, you know, hope people do. But a lot of people, I'm Jewish, and in the Jewish um, culture, you know, we're known for complaining. <laughs> you know, <laughs> complain about everything. And so I don't know that that's sadness, but it's just a way of uh, I don't like it, and I try not to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But there are people that they get by in the world, and their greatest joy is to complain. Um, to to every to see everything is you know there's something wrong instead of there's something good in it. Um, so it could be a cultural thing, um, but I find that sometimes uh, laughable. I mean, my dad used to complain about everything, and I was helping um, him move one day and to a new place, and they're in the new place, and the baseboard switches weren't working. And I said, why don't you call maintenance? They'll come and fix it. He said, well, you never know the when they're coming. And I said, Dad, what difference does it make? You're always home. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter when they come. So I found some humor there. But then later in the day, I went over and flipped up the switch at the top, you know, in the wall. And mm-hmm. all the baseboard switches um, just went off. Ah, yes. <laughs> and I just kind of stepped back because he used to anger me being that he was so negative. But I, and and complaining all the time. But I just stepped back, and instead of getting caught up in his negativity, I just stepped back, and I started to laugh at at what he was complaining about because it was so easily to fix, easy to fix. So if we don't get caught up in other people's stuff, it's easy to just step back, look at what's happening, and maybe see how ridiculous they are. You maybe see a resolution that's right there that you can't see through your anger or your fear or your, you know, what, your emotion of the negative part. Exactly. You know, yeah, you yeah. can't see the resolutions. Yeah, uh, yeah because you're so you, upset. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. One thing that you mentioned was that you have designated March as International Mirth Month. I love that concept. It's wonderful. <laughs> and, you know, the whole world can use a whole lot more, more mirth right, right now. Right, right. How do we celebrate International Mirth Month? I want to do it. <laughs> uh, well, I want to get ready. Um, first of all, I created that for, for because April Fool's Day comes up right after March, but also because Tax Month comes up, and I thought we need to, um, you know, lighten up a bit. So, you know, just just during March, make March a month when you're looking for some mirth, because it's all around us. One example, I like to look for funny things around. So, if you make that in your intention. Because I think mm-hmm. intention is is so incredible. Like I told you, the story of getting these uh, the quote books published. My intention yes. was to do that. So oh, have that an was a very powerful intention. Yeah, very powerful. But intention. you can have an yeah. intention every day when you wake up to have a great day or to find some humor. So maybe March is a month that you go, okay, I'm going to find something um, that's humorous every day. So last March I was in a laundromat and I had that intention and a look on the wall. And it said, when the machine stops, remove all your clothing. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Which I did. (laughs) That is funny. (laughs) But there is humor all around, but you you have to put your intention out to find it. Yes. And, And, you know, March is a great month because winter is, you know, getting over. We're coming into spring, so you're coming out of the doldrums, and it's good to bring yourself into that start the spring with such a positive flow, you know, right, and right. try to do that in a great way. Now, in your book, or actually in all the books you've written or anywhere else, 
if you haven't done so, do you have a favorite quote? Do I have a favorite quote? Well, they change. And and my favorite one right now, which is right in front of me on my bulletin board, um, so that I see it on a regular basis, is from Goita, and it says, at the moment of commitment, the entire universe conspires to assist you. Oh, yeah, the, I do like that one. At the moment of commitment, the entire universe conspires to assist you. and And I just... One of the reasons it's a highlighted quote for me right now is because in in November, um, actually a year ago November, I was watching TV and watching the Macy Day Thanksgiving Parade. And when I lived in New York City, I'd work on the parade every Thanksgiving because Captain Kangaroo used to host the parade and I would design the set for Captain Kangaroo. So... I have to be in the studio every Thanksgiving at 6 a.m. in the morning. And so watching the parade, I thought, you know, I would like to march in the parade. So I kind of, I kind of again, I put that in the world. I committed that everyone I met, I was going to say I want to march in the parade. Do you know anyone that can do that? And I put it even on Facebook. And a colleague, friend of mine in, in New York, a, a not a great friend, but someone who knows me and I know them, found out how to get in the parade, and I contacted that person, and they said, okay, if you want to march, um, you can do it. And then I thought to myself, no, I don't want to march. I want to ride in a float. And so he said, well, all the floats are taken. He said, but if this year, 2013, if you contact me in May, I'll get you on a float this November. This is cool. So, you know, it's like I committed that this is something I wanted, and then the universe mm-hmm. starts supporting me in doing it. Yep, absolutely. I so do love that So any quote. of your listeners that want more laughter in their life, that want um, to be more uplifted, to, to whatever they want, a relationship, they need to put that out. They need to lighten up about it and just put it out in the world and see what happens. Absolutely, because the universe will conspire. Whether it's something that you want for good or something that you want for bad, things will come back to you. So you need to make sure you set your intention for things in the positive because you don't want anything coming back to you that's not going to be positive. Right. It's like another example from my dad. They He would never fly because he was afraid. He was claustrophobic. And so um, they were traveling from New York to, to San Francisco and had to go through Chicago to change trains. They went by train. And for a month, he complained that they were going to lose his luggage in Chicago when they changed trains. Guess what happened? Yep. They lost his luggage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he was putting that out in the world, and so the world listened and lost his luggage. That's funny because when I went, my husband and I went to Scotland, and we had to stop in Copenhagen, and we heard them say on the loudspeaker that one of the carousels was broken and my husband said there goes our luggage and I said oh stop don't say that well Uh we got to Scotland and we didn't have any luggage and Mm. so we get to customs and they said you know do you have anything to claim and we said no you lost it all in in Copenhagen you know and and I thought it was great because we had to go from the plane I was all excited we went from the plane to a car to a ferry over across you know, the Clyde, and we were right. staying at a and b over there. And this was later in the day. We went out to dinner. We came back. All the luggage had been delivered. I said, this is the way to go. You don't have to schlep it yourself. You I'm happy. You don't have to schlep it. <laughs> it was a blessing yeah. in disguise. That is great. Yeah. 
they lost it on the way home too. Our luggage actually got to go to San Francisco without us, and then it came back oh. three days later. I didn't care. I was like, again, when we got to customs, they said, "Do you have anything?" I said, "No, we do not." <laughs> did your luggage get frequent flyer miles though? <laughs> no, I wish it did. <laughs> I should have asked for that. I didn't think. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> right, right. Oh gosh. Well, do you have another book in the future? I heard you might. I do. I'm writing a book. Um, right now it's titled You Can't Ruin My Day because okay. we give our power away to situations. We give our power away to other people, and it just ruins our day. And so, um, and that came to me. I got a speeding ticket uh, while going to the gym one day, and I was singing away. I was really happy and being pulled over because I wasn't paying attention and got a speeding ticket. And I got to the gym, and I'm still singing away and still happy and telling people I just got a speeding ticket. And they're all like, how come? You know, you're not upset. Aren't you upset? And out of my mouth came, I'm not going to let that policeman or this ticket ruin my day. And I thought, how true that is, that we have that power over everything. And so that's what I'm writing about. So it's taking your power back. Teaching people how to do that. Exactly. That's a great topic. I like it. We need more so, to put more information look out for the book Would you come in back to us? Two years, probably. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a okay, well, you'll come back writer. on the show, right? <laughs> okay. You'll come back with that book, won't you? That would be great. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> well, we're almost out of time. We're at the top of the hour. But before we go, I'd really love it if you'd tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and your work and where they may purchase your book. Sure. Um, Amazon, all the Internet um Booksellers have the book. Um, just put in my name, Alan, A-L-L-E-N, Klein, K-L-E-I-N. Or they can go to my website. There's all information about my books and articles and stuff. And it's triple W and then my name, dot com. Great. So it's www.alankline.com. Make sure you go there. This is Alan Klein, the author of The Art of Living Joyously, How to Be Happier Every Day of the Year. It was just wonderful having you on the show tonight. I thank you so much. I appreciate you taking time to come here and join us. And it was a great discussion, and we had fun. I had fun. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So, listeners, we need you to spread the word. If you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, share it with your friends. Send the link to the show so they can be made aware of all the wonderful things that are offered on this program. These guests share their time freely. They give us a minimum of 60 minutes out of their day to help us all, and they do it at no charge. You pay nothing for their wisdom and knowledge that you receive here at Energy Awareness Radio from all of these wonderful guests who share their time and expertise with us. So please be sure to pass the word along, make others aware, share it with your friends and family so that they too will be able to grow and learn and make this world better for everyone. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. Come back next week. We've got another great show set up. For more information about me, please feel free to visit my website, quantum-wellness-center.com. You'll find an archive list of past shows, a lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about all the events I'll be hosting throughout this year. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Radio. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care.